from the 915 to H-Town, from the Panhandle Plains to the Valley, and everywhere in between. This is the 5050 Podcast, powered by College Promoters USA. Join me, Hector Cano, as we cover the Texas high school club and college soccer landscape, along with an inside look at the college soccer recruiting scene. The 5050 Podcast is a platform about the people and for the people who are dedicated to the beautiful game. Here we go. It is episode 13 of Inside Texas High School Soccer. I am your host, Coach Hector Cano, joined by my, I call him my lovely co-host here, Mr. Papa, Papa Soccerites. Rafa, how are you, buddy? Pretty good. How are you? Hey, man. It's, uh, I, I did, I uh, wanted you to know that I did email uh, the UIL last night after yesterday's show, asking them if they could wrap up, if they could have uh, Dripping Springs and Seven Lakes wrap up the last game early enough before your bedtime, so you could, uh, you know, so you could go to sleep <laughs> at your usual time. Because I know last night we had our <laughs> our after dark edition, right? Super late. What what do we end? I think was it like ten to midnight? Mid- at Close to midnight. Close to midnight. It was the midnight yeah. edition. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was great, great stuff. So again, uh, want to remind you, we are uh, powered by our proud partners, College Promoters USA. They are America's premier college prep program and high school student athlete marketing service since 1997. Located locally here in the, in the San Antonio area, you can find them in the Ventura Plaza Shopping Center. But you can also find them on social media on Twitter at SATX Recruiting, as well as on Instagram at College Promoters USA, as well as on their website at collegepromotersusa.com. All right. So, hey, we have got a we've got a loaded show, loaded show today. We've got a lot to cover. We're going to look. Look back at today, the day that was. I'm going to look back at certain key elements of the year in review, just certain thoughts when we look back on 2023. We're going to also do, but before that, we're also going to do, <coughs> excuse me, we're also going to do a region uh, region breakdown, look back at the state tournament, how it kind of unfolded uh, across uh, across the board, across the state at every region, right? So pretty interesting, interesting stuff, interesting stats. Uh, and it's always a good way to kind of assess where where the regions stand when you look back on it so but before we do any of that um i want to go ahead and uh make sure i got this here before we do any of that we're going to go ahead and we're going to bring in we have a special uh special guest joining us he is a uh he's a uh, visitor uh, visiting once again uh, he has his frequent fire miles for the 50 50 podcast <laughs> fellow alum coach alexi upton of the sulfur springs wildcats coach how are you Yes, sir. I'm good. I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, watched y'all's a little bit of y'all's midnight podcast last night, so it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, we're battle tested. You know, six hours of bracketology two years ago. Five hours, uh, no, six six hours twenty minutes of bracketology two years ago. Five hours fifty minutes this year, and then we had like a nine hour broadcast uh, a couple of weeks ago for three regional games. So yeah, we're battle tested. So. Yeah. Awesome. But hey, we're not here to we're not here to talk about us. We're here to talk about you. I know you had the opportunity. I know you were there, I think, every day through mm-hmm. yesterday, if I understand it correctly. Every day. Uh, you, I was had, there every day. you were okay. Awesome. So yeah. tell us uh, you were there uh at, at Berkelbach there in Georgetown and kind of want to just see, give us, you know, no particular order, just your your thoughts, your big takeaways across the board. You know, we know you're a four A guy, right? With with Sulphur Springs and your boys there, but just across the board, maybe through, tell us what you noticed, 4A, 5A, 6A, boys' side, girls' side, what were the big takeaways for you up close? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, obviously what what everybody notices is that 
the game just gets so much more technical as you progress through 4A to 5A to 6A. I think that's what, you know, everybody really notices. My assistant coach was like, man, these guys would just see him play 80-20 possession on us. <laughs> you know, I mean, and it's the truth. I mean, when you see a team like a Seven Lakes or, uh, you know, a Lone Star, um, you you just like, whew, like, you know, these guys are really great. Um, but it was just, it was really good. Um, I thought, you know, I thought everybody was really well contested for the most part. You know, I mean, Salina blows up people all the time. You know, it is what it is. But, yeah, <laughs> but I thought for the most part, everybody was really con- well contested. And, uh, you know, that's something that you want to see when you go to a tournament like that. You want to see, you know, good games and interesting. And I think all the final games were really great. The Dripping Springs game in Allen last night was absolutely insane. It was such a good game. Yeah. It was back and forth, back and forth. Dripping Springs had so much heart. Like, not a lot of technical ability. They weren't keeping the ball well, but, like, just the heart and the energy and the commitment and every challenge, every tackle, every play was, like, top-notch. It was incredible. So, it was it was really good. It was a really good tournament. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, Brandon Rich is in here. Hey, Brandon, thank you for joining us. Uh, Seven Lakes Boys Soccer Champions. Congrats. It's the first time the KDISD on the boys' side takes home a state title. So, and my guy, Jimmy Kruger, very happy for him, very proud of him as well. Him and his boys, uh, well done, uh, well done. Um, so you look back on it like day by day, anything, when you look at it, when you dissect it, day one, maybe on the, you know, the 4A side, <clears throat> Salina this year, all kinds of just, they put up a historic season, right? So the third ever program to win, to to play a perfect season, right? End to end, <clears throat> excuse me. Um but when you take us through the days, was there was there any particular trends that you were picking up on day by day that it's like, OK, this isn't just maybe a boy's side or girl's side of the house thing. This isn't just maybe a 4A or 5A thing or 5A or 6A thing. But the, these are trends that, that I'm picking up. <laughs> we know where you're going with this one. And I think the trend that everybody wants to say, and it's just it's the hard reality is that the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex is really, really good. Um, you know, and I mean, credit to Break, seven breaking Lakes. news, I mean, breaking news. Yeah, I know, Bre- breaking news. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think that's the trend, and it, you know, unfortunately, you know, for you know, you know, other than uh, I thought Hildago was incredibly great. I thought Hildago mm-hmm. was incredibly great. I thought Seven Lakes was incredibly great. But you know, the trend is you see, you know, eight to ten Metroplex teams there, and they all look really good. They all look really talented. Um, and that's just it is what it is. I mean, you know, the year round exposure that those kids get and playing 24 seven and then playing high level competition. I mean, every kid gets year round exposure, whether they're in San Antonio or Houston or El Paso. But you're playing the best of the best every week, all the time, not even just in your high school season, but in your club season as well. You know, right. and so that's why, I, you know, in my opinion, that's why those guys are so incredible what they do. So, But yeah, yeah the day one was great. The 4A was great. Um, I think Salina and Bernie was the the final i mean you know it kind of was because then yeah. they go and just abuse yeah. you know uh, stevenville a little bit you know which is unfortunate because i thought stevenville played really well in their first game right and then the boys 4a was a really good semifinal um between uh palestine and lumberton i was not I, you know mm-hmm. i thought palestine would be a little a little cooler a little calmer waters in that game and that got really kind of out of control for them yeah. uh but they they kind of found a way to win and then I just thought it was a really good game between San Elizario and Hildago. It was like a chess match. Yeah. It was like, yeah. I don't want to give anything away. I don't want to give anything away. It was like, like I guarantee you there was less than like six shots in the whole game. But that was kind of, they were just kind of playing chess. And then the San Elizario keeper just did a little bit of unfortunate. You know, he tried to he tried to push out and he just yeah. pushed it right in the post and got that rebound and that goal. And so 
uh, that was that was a really good day. That was a really solid day. And then and from there, I think it only got better. Yeah. So in your opinion, right, going to put you on the hot seat here a little bit, but uh, in your opinion, yes, love it. boy side and girl side, right? Each mm -hmm. team, the best team there walking away from state now, now that it's over, the best team on each side of the house, boys and girls side, that did not win a state title this week. Ooh. Ooh. The best team on both sides that did not win a state In your title. opinion, this is just your takeaway, yeah. your analysis. Okay. Yeah. Right. Doesn't uh, matter. They could have they could have lost the semifinal, right? They didn't yeah. have to make it to the final and that win. Okay. Um I'm gonna say the best team that didn't win on the boys' side, I'd have to say is either Allen or San Elizario. Um, I think Allen was just so physically gifted. Uh, I mean, the direct way of they play and how physically gifted they are. A lot of talented dudes all around the field. They really impressed me. Um, but San Elizario had a beautiful, like, calmness to them. There was, like, really great ball movement. I thought they played better than Hildago early college, honestly, in that game. But then they were just unlucky as they didn't really create any, like, good chances in the final third. But I was like, man, these guys look really, you know, beautiful. The play's nice. Like, you know, when everybody wants, like, that beautiful – that was what San Elizario was. So yeah. I thought they looked really great. I think the best girls team that didn't win was Frisco, 100%. I, I think they were a little unlucky in that final game to lose to Grapevine because they looked better and they had the better chances pretty much the entire game. Yeah. And then the grapevine girl, the, the 15 or whatever, the one that made the PK, and she's just tearing people up on the sidelines all game right. long. Like, she she balled out. But, I mean, as a, as a team and as a group, I thought Frisco looked incredibly good. And I was mm -hmm. like, ugh, you know, they got they got kind of unlucky to not be uh, yeah. a state champion. So I thought you were going to go with Bernie there for a second there on the girl side just because of how they actually <laughs> Yeah, I thought you know, Bernie looked really good. But, you know, the crazy thing is we, we, we drove all the way there on Thursday. Or on Wednesday. Yeah. So we got there at like halftime of that game. So we got there and it was like, uh, and I was like yeah. ah, you know, we didn't really get to see all of this game. You know, we saw a little bit of it. It yeah. looked good, you know, whatever. But yeah. but we didn't get yeah. to see it all. So I, I, I can't be like right. super, you know what I mean? Like invested in somebody mm -hmm. you only saw for 40 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, that's and that's that's telling because that it, it kind of ended up being a tale of two halves because in that in that first half and, you know, Rafa, <laughs> excuse me, Rafa talked about it a little bit is Bernie, particularly their forward, right? Their number eight, their or their number nine, I should say. Uh, Kylie Combs, she was one touch away, right? She was half a second away from just being able to separate from that last defender multiple times. And they made that adjustment. You know, kudos that we talked about it the other night. Coach Adams making that adjustment, made great adjustments and saying basically saying it's like, hey, Bernie, if you're gonna beat us, it's not gonna be with uh, you know, with Kylie Combs. So yeah, in that second half, big difference, big difference for yeah. sure. So, um, all right, got a couple more questions for you, but I'm going to kick it over to my co-host here, Rafa. See if he's got anything for you, Rafa. Hey, coach, how are you doing today? <clears throat> Good, always. Yeah, you mentioned about the Dallas here being now kind of like the mecca, of, you know, for the high school soccer. Do you think now that's going to influence a lot of high school teams to go head out their preseason for tournaments, non-district games to? play that level those level teams to prepare for playoffs and possibly even seeing them in the state tournament because yeah, I, I noticed like some some teams you know I'll give you like Palestine I saw their schedule they didn't really play any for me really play anybody like I said when they're you know 
you know, and preseason and so forth. Do you think they might, that might have kind of influenced their, that loss they had? Do you think, hey, you know what, maybe we need to start playing a little tougher teams that way, even though it may cause us to lose some games, but out of that experience will get us to, to the final. And that goes with a lot of the other teams too as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with your comment there. I think uh, I think a lot of people look at that. Um, you know, I'll take example of the Frisco tournament. That's a really big tournament that happens the first week of every year. The El Paso guys come over in drones to that tournament. I mean, seven, eight, nine El Paso schools come over to that game. They love going there, and they love the exposure that they're going to get. They love playing Frisco schools. They love playing, you know, some Planos or something like that, and they love getting that first week experience. And I think, like you said, I mean, that – it, I, I think if it hasn't, it should. I think if it uh, if it hasn't, it should. If you're a Houston school, if you're an Austin school, you got to be like, I need to go. You know, Dripping Springs comes up to that Frisco tournament every year as well, too. I need to go to them. I need to go up there. I need to see what people look like up there, and I need to compare ourselves. Even if it is early in the year when you don't really have yourself figured out and you don't really know what right. you're going to do with yourself, it's still like I still need to take that look, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of see what these guys have. And maybe we're close. Maybe we're 80% of the way there. Maybe we're only 70. But, you know, we see what we need to look like when it's all said and done. Because what Frisco, Lone Star, and what Wakeland and all those guys look like in January, they pretty much look like that in April, too. <laughs> it doesn't really change much. You know what I mean? Good point. Good now, point. There's, a, there's a bunch of guys like myself and everybody else that it takes from January to April to really develop your team fully. But Frisco looks great in January, and they look great in April. <laughs> so, so, I mean, but, yeah, I, I hope it does. Um, you know, I we, we host a tournament of 4A, um, you know, best of 4A, and I invited everybody. Uh, Lumberton's interested in yeah, coming to it. Yeah, Allison's been coming to it. Hildago Early College is talking about going to it. And I really want those people to come up here. You know, I want them to play Dallas area teams. I want them to be really interested in coming to yeah. play these teams and see what is up here, and hopefully they – get really good experience out of it so you know that was always my goal was to just have a cool tournament where a lot of people from all over the world kind of come and and just have a good experience with each other so yeah so Rafa, you got anything else for him buddy uh the, and the last i guess the last thing is how, how do how do the, te- the rest of the state close that gap against the dallas schools how do we how, how do you know what, you know, what, is, what needs to be done to, to close that gap? Because I've I'm seeing a lot of gaps in certain regions and yeah. you know like like here in San Antonio where there's a little gap between you know Austin's kind of ahead of San Antonio, you know, but Dallas is ahead of the other other regions too as well. So what what, know, what can think, be done for that? I think a lot of people offer a lot of different things. You know, I mean, I look at like El Paso, and I'm like, man, these guys are beautifully technical. Like, I don't think. Oh, I mean, a lot of Dallas schools don't look that beautifully technical. And then I look at somebody like a San Antonio Lee, and I'm like, man, these guys are really great on the ball. They're really physical. It's a fast pace, like beautiful flow. Like there's not a lot of Dallas schools that look like that. You know, so I think like every like geographical area has their like little own little style of playing. I think that's kind of cool. And I think that's something you kind of notice at the state tournament as well. It's like, oh, you know, hey, they kind of look like that team that's also here, you know? Like when you get the Austin guys, like they're good on the ball and they're just like freaking hard. Like, just straight heart. Like, I don't know what it is. If Lone Star, if that's, like, Lone Star's motto is, like, we play with heart. <laughs> but, but, like, you see some Austin, like, all the Austin schools are exactly the same. Como, Smith, and Valley, good girl, great girls team with, like, a ton of heart. Um, trying to think of who else was it. Pflugerville Connolly, really good girls team with a ton of heart. Uh, I mean, boys team with a ton of heart. Round Rock Westwood, I mean, we all know how that, that was. with Marcus, that was a really intense game. And then Dripping Springs with Allen. I mean, it was just, like, heart on their sleeves. Um, you know, so 
I mean, like I said, I think to bridge that gap, uh, like you said, maybe it's you come to Dallas and you see what people have and then you kind of get a taste and they're like, OK, I can bring this back and we can work on some things and then we can see how we compare to our people in our region. Um, but to just it, I think there's one, two, there's two ways of thinking about it. It's I play all the people in my region and I just try to win my region and I do that or it's I want to look beyond my region and I want to see what my other regions can provide me in terms of growing and developing. And then I bring that back to my region and now can I be better? Um, so to bridge that gap, I just think, I just think they got to keep developing. I think Austin's doing an incredible job of development, you know, and especially with, you know, Austin FC creating youth systems and things like that. I think San Antonio is doing a really great job of development. San Antonio FC, your freaking background right there is doing an incredible job of doing really well in the USL every year. Um, and I think kids see that and that's like, man, that's cool. Like I want to do that one day when I get older, you know, is awesome. It's really awesome. So I think everybody's developing in their own way. I mean, he'll go early college. And that kind of, you know, RVG area has a great influence of, of Mexico. You know, players come over from Mexico um, and really influence that region. You know, so I think, like you said, every region has a lot to offer. Um, I don't really feel like there's just a gap because there's so much greatness in Dallas. I think that's where the gap's at. I don't think it's because we're not, we're better or worse than anybody else. It's just so much. Like, that team's good. That team's good. That team's good. That team's good. You know what I mean? Like, it's not. It's not like Austin's here and Dallas is here. No, it's just like there's freaking a million. You know what I mean? And then and then Austin's like, hey, there's five. Or San Antonio's like, hey, there's four. You know what I mean? And so that I, I only th- I think that's the big difference. It's just the quantity of greatness. Not mm-hmm. not that there isn't greatness, because there's greatness everywhere. I mean, uh seven lakes one one six eight, and they were incredible. They were very physical, very great on the ball, very talented. And they're from Houston. Which is technically, which is usually a geographical region that struggles. I mean, pretty like we could look back at the past eight state tournaments, and Houston's probably won like two or three in all the four A five A six A. So you know, I mean, I think there's greatness everywhere, but it's just in Dallas, there's just such a magnitude of greatness. So awesome, great stuff, yeah. great, uh, great insight there, great insight. Thanks for sharing that, Coach. He is Alexi Upton, the head men's soccer coach of the Sulphur Springs Wildcats. Coach, two things for you really quick. One, yes, sir. Um, tell us, we're going to want you to see a quick plug. Just tell us what's going on with your tournament for the next season. And then I have one big question where I'm going to put you on the spot after that. So tell us about your tournament. Fourth, fourth through the 6th, January. Um, it's also the time of that Frisco tournament. And, you know, just good tournaments in this area. Um, just just come up here. It's 4A only. Uh, it was 16 last year. Uh, Salina won it, which was a really great team that went all the way to our regional uh, final, or regional semi. And, uh, you know, just a lot of great teams trying to invite some San Elizarios, some Lumberton, some Palestines, people like that, and just make it even better. So really great tournament. And then question two. Great stuff. January, that's what, January 4th through 6th? January 4th through 6th, yeah. There's You're a, still looking there's for teams, you said, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, looking sir. for schools? Awesome. Yeah. Great deal. And then final question we got for you. <clears throat> this is going along the lines of, because it's our show, right? It's the season finale. Tell us your opinion. Biggest, maybe one biggest takeaway beyond just your squad, maybe your district, your region, or across the state. Biggest thing, biggest takeaway of something that maybe defined the 2023 UAL Texas high school soccer season. Ooh, dang. Um, no softballs today, man. No softballs. Today. I know. No softballs today. Um, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot of different ways you could go about this. I mean – compelling storylines that happened, whether it was like 
the Baco early college and the whole kind of thing about that. I don't know if you really know about all that, mm-hmm. but the wild we're, we're finding out. Uh, we're finding out yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Bernie gets beat by those guys. Uh, and you know, they just were, you know, great forever. Um, you know, the the Dallas the Dallas setup was just crazy. People beating people left and right. It was just like who was hot on the day. I think the really thing that takes away from this Texas high school soccer season is the need for the need for change and the need for some things to be fixed, I think is really important. You know, some people talked about, you know, how does the regional tournament look? How does, how does, um, how does regional tournaments look and how do state tournaments look? How is the, a mercy rule? You know, is there going to be a mercy rule sometimes? Yeah, that I was mean, a big one. That was a big one. And, you know, and I, you know, not blasting anybody, but in our region, there's teams at the top and they're winning games. 10-0, 18-0, 22-0. And I'm like, dude, dude, after eight or nine, it's over, my dog. Like, yeah. stop. Take the foot off the gas and stop. Like, that's like, you know, we're we're killing, we're killing kids that want to come out here and play soccer and 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 have and find joy in that. We're killing that. Like, and that's what's beautiful about Texas high school soccer. You know, you see kids crying on the in the in the state tournament. It's because they love it. Like, that's what's beautiful about it. And I don't want kids to be discouraged from playing soccer is like i'm not playing that team they'd be people 24 zero you know (laughs) you know so i mean there's a lot of reform i think that some small reform things that need to happen and i think that's what the biggest take from texas high school soccer is if we can try to get these couple bits of reform i think we'll just make it even better it's already great you know like you guys do such a great job of covering and then like you know like lethal and forster outlets like show off texas soccer and how incredible it is and then other states are like, man, that's sweet. Like, we didn't do that. I went to a national coaching license in Kansas a month ago, and mm-hmm. I was talking about how I have my kids from August to, to to August, basically. Like, I have them all year long. I can do whatever I want with them all year long. And this coach in, in like, in Iowa or something was like, was like well, we only have them three months out of the year. <laughs> you know, and he was yeah. just, like, mind blown that we have our kids for a whole year. <laughs> I was like, that's, like, it's school. Like, of course we have them all year long. Like, you know, so we have so many great things going on here. And I just think if we – just make some little reforms we can make it even better so yeah yeah and you know one of the best things because the more (laughs) and as you know i have a lot of these conversations with coaches particularly offline and what i tell them is hey take this back take this back to your athletic director you know make it a point take it back to your district meet with your district executive Mm -hmm. committee to put to at least start asking those questions because if not somehow i think Coaches are under the impression that they just, if they just collectively complain about it amongst themselves or maybe to Tasco, that that's sufficient. That that's, or if I've, or if I voice my opinion one time, that that's enough, right? And we all know that that's not how the UIL works. That's not how the UIL works. So that guy so, handed out trophies. His name is Joseph Garman. <laughs> and mm-hmm. He runs all the soccer, and you gotta go. Out, you gotta go find big wigs like that to make reform right. change. You know. Right. So I mean, uh, I, I agree with you 100. You know, I think a lot of people just think I'm gonna sit here and complain on Facebook and Twitter. And nothing's gonna get done. It's like, no, it's not. They don't. They don't care. Like you right. have to. You have to. There's ways to go about this. There's ways yeah. to go about this. So, yeah, I think you know some small changes in Texas high school soccer is gonna be even greater than it already is. So. Right. Awesome. Alexi, Coach, this has been great. Appreciate you, Coach Upton. Thank you so much. We wish Love you, you guys. Uh, wish you the absolute best. Congratulations on a great, uh, great uh, 20, 2023 season, district mm-hmm. champions as well. We look forward to uh, to a big run for for you in the state playoffs in 2024. So thank you, sir. Congrats to you and your boys again. Thank you for joining us. And we look forward to having you on here again soon. Okay. Yes, sir. Take okay. care. Have a good night. Yes, sir. Have a good night.
Awesome. Awesome. Great stuff, man. What do you think? He's great, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he made, he made some good points as far as, like, you know, as far as changes, you know. Yeah, you can post them on Twitter or you can post on Facebook, whatever. It's it's a more about going to the UIL, especially now that they have a new athletic director. I think that was I think that was mentioned today that mm-hmm. over these couple of days that they have a new AD. You know, there are some reforms that they, they need to do, especially – and you know, like the play, especially the playoffs, and that's one of the points I, you know, I'm going to discuss is you know, as far as some of the change, maybe some changes that need to be done because I've already seen what the playoffs are going to look like next year, and I'm kind of like, eh. <laughs> it might affect affect some teams on it, you know. I think, but I'll I'll, I'll keep that point on, on from this next segment. But uh, yeah, but he made also points to like about you know uh, having a mercy rule or um, you know just other little things here and there. Uh, but, you know, I think the coaches can get together. They have a good collective voice and they can go to the UIL as, as a unit and, and, and have those, you know, and, you know, speak on behalf of those changes and hopefully do get those changes. So just anything to make the, the sport better and flow and, and flow a lot, you know, flow things better for also for the programs. It's, it's going to be great benefit for the players at the end. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So Harry's in here. Uh, Harry Austin, buddy. Hey, buddy. How are you? Talking about North Texas is still king, and then also saying our uh, <laughs> our friend from Houston is making change with his posts. LOL. So, uh, yeah, not not quite sure what you're talking about there, buddy. But all right. So, <laughs> all right, Brandon uh, Brandon Rich is in here again. Asks a great question. Thoughts on this one, Rafa? So, thoughts on re- the reseeding? This came up a lot when we got into the regional tournament, right? And and it that seems to be the only time we hear about it, and then the week leading up to state, and then it just disappears off everyone's mind it's, until yeah. next year, right? So, any what we're talking about here is the thoughts on re, the reseeding component that the UIL implements once the four regional turn the four regional champions have been established. I think maybe they need to start maybe take a page from Champions League, just put their names in little balls, bring them all around. And pick them. Just do it that way, you know. I know there's been talk about maybe even reseeding in the the whole playoffs. I don't think that's even possible. You know, imagine a number one seed from El Paso, you know, hosting a number four seed from Beaumont. You know, what's the logic in that? But as far as for the state, I think state tournament first seeding. Uh, I think they can do that once they come in, but just do. I mean, I know they do it already for the state level with the records, but I'd rather do it like kind of like Champions League. Just throw their names in there, whatever comes mm-hmm. out. There's your matchup right there, right. because in the yeah. in the in the end, you gotta you know to be the best, you gotta beat the best, no matter who's your four seed. Woo! Yep, two seed, one seed. Like I said, Drippy Springs just proved that this year. They're a four seed. They knocked off some number one seeds, so. You know, just put them all, put their knees on the ball, pick them out, and there you go. There's, there's your, there's your, your regional tournament. And there's your state tournament. You know, and but they're also, but there's some, uh, you know, and I will discuss about maybe some changes within that, especially with the regional tournaments, to get a get a better quality game. Which we'll, we'll discuss. You know, what would be pretty cool. You talk about the Champions League draw, right? Could you imagine make a little draw, make a little, put it on NFHS or something? Wouldn't that be pretty cool? Right, you just make a little, make an event out of it. You know, it just, maybe, it just maybe takes, you all of, takes you all of an hour. You know, maybe texting live because 
I don't know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, I just. Shout just out to Mike. Man, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's an idea for Mike there. Maybe he can host the, like the Champions yeah. League version of that Texas yeah. high school. <laughs> Mike, seedings. Mike Youngblood at, at Hoops. Mike, get on that, man. I think that's a that's an early one that we can propose right now. So, um, yeah, and and here, you, you know, I've said this for a while. Here, Harry, uh, Harry mentions if they were more transparent. Uh, so apparently, the transparency piece is what they go off of is that the UIL exclusively uses winning percentage. And where it gets a little gray, where I'm not entirely 100% sure, is what is that winning percentage based on? Based off of, is it strictly, is it total? Is it, you know, is it total just regardless of district, regardless of degree of, of difficulty, your strength of schedule, anything like that, right? I don't think any of that from what I understand, appears to factor in. It's just what your overall what your overall record is, right? So, so yeah. From that standpoint, I think that's where the transparency piece gets a little kind of little murky, little gray. So I'm not not sure about that one. So, I know, I know Harry mentioned something uh, as far as like maybe having you know the by district round area round played every you know in one weekend and the following weekend have the regional quarterfinal and semifinal in one weekend and, and, and then a regional final or something like that. Maybe that's something maybe they can look into as well as far as better quality of play, playing Thursday and then Saturdays. But then have your true number one, like I said, having kind of like in quarters, your true number one seed host mm -hmm. that, host yeah. those two games in those areas. I mean, that's that's a thought there too. I mean, right. and well, something the, kind the of big thing, the big thing is what we got to understand, I think collectively is – the soccer season is long and it's it kind of overlaps towards that tail end of fall into the winter into the spring right so it's kind of it sits in the in the middle and that soccer season is getting longer on the front end for whatever reason right it's starting earlier and earlier and earlier in december with a shorter time frame for scrimmages which i'm not necessarily a big fan of right so maybe do we adjust that to the back end right but then it's from from the UIL perspective, they start looking at their logistics of, of state championships, right, for the spring. And this is why soccer is kind of kind of a an oddity for them because of where it sits. It it blows past. It's of course it starts later than basketball, but it's well past basketball, and then into the starts affecting going into the spring sports as well. So so it's a from that it's it's important that we're aware of that from the UIL perspective because once we can understand it from their perspective i think we can come up with better pro proposals for reforms as, as you mentioned so yeah so all right i guess we should talk some soccer what do you think no. Maybe? yeah just a little bit so uh today we had so we had four matches all state titles crowned four state champions today uh we started with the the, uh, the 5a 5a and it was the the girls and then the boys and then in later in the uh, afternoon and evening we had the six a's uh six a's joined the party so we're going to start off with the uh, 5A final, the girls 5A final, game one on the day. Game ended. Grapevine one, Frisco zero. Thoughts on this one, coach? That, that one was a very kind of, I don't know. It looked like both teams really exhausted a lot of their effort on the semifinal game. Mm -hmm. And they were kind of running through the motions on, on this game. And, and like, if you look at Grapevine, you, you know, you saw how they turned it up in that second half against Vincent Valley and really kind of, like, you know, really went went after a win. They, they just, just kind of lost to that edge a little bit. 
Frisco kind of Frisco. It was kind of fun with them because they, 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 you know, they weren't expected to win against Georgetown, and they found a way to win. They got snuck mm-hmm. one in. You know, it wasn't an impressive win, but like I said, it was enough to get them to the final. And that they did have some good chances to to you know yeah. to score against Grapevine, but it, it it just I think the play wasn't as at the level as the as the games before. It was just kind of like. I want to say too much like running through the motions. It was just like uh, it was just kind of kind of a little spotty here and there in spurts. No one was able to kind of put. It was basically an even, it was an even game, and no one couldn't really, you know, take control of the game, play their style, and then you know, and and, and get after it. And mm-hmm. but you know, it took a like I said, it came down to a penalty kick. You know, just an unlucky play of the ball just <laughs> at the hand of the player and. Grapevine was able to cash in, and and uh, you know the disappointment last year that Grapevine had losing to Wakeland, and you know right. at, at knowing that they had it won, and then to lose it, um, I think it's a little redemption for them, and you know happy. And like I said, I'm sure they they finally got that monkey off their back and got that state title there to Grapevine. Right. Yeah, you know, and obviously don't want to take anything away from Frisco whatsoever. Credit to Frisco, but Grapevine did also. We talked about it. Grapevine did look a little. I don't know, slow, sluggish, mm-hmm. not entirely themselves coming out of the blocks. And and we were wondering, it's like, hey, was some of that attributed to, you know, to their match, their tough match they had with Smith with Smith and Valley, right? Uh went to double overtime and they had they had to battle to pull that one out. Um, but we kind of I don't know, we kind of had this feeling when we assessed it and after we looked at both state, after we looked at both state semifinals, there was a good amount of talk that was kind of saying it's like, hey. Whoever potentially comes out of this Smithson Valley Grapevine match could be might have the inside right the inside uh you know just kind of the inside leg I guess if you will uh, on uh, on potentially being the favorite for the state for the state final and that's true to form that's that's how it played out so congratulations to Grapevine they are your 2023 5A girls state champions they win their first ever state title and MVP was. Uh, Teresa McCullough, the Baylor commit with a one lone goal in the match. Again, that score, final score of 1-0, Grapevine 1, Frisco 0 in regulation. Congratulations to the Frisco Raccoons as well, the state state 5A girls state runner-up. So, all right, <coughs> excuse me. We move on to the boys, Coach. Game 2 on the day, Frisco Lone Star, El Paso, Bel Air. Um, this one, I don't know why – some I was actually surprised by how many people were putting such a big premium. They they thought Beller was such a maybe a big favorite, right? And and I don't I don't know. I just for me I just we knew this was going to be a, we thought it was going to be a high scoring affair. We thought it was going to be a back and forth match. But this one, this one, the result, the end result in this one might be the biggest surprise of the day, right? So. Uh, Frisco Lone Star four, El Paso Bel Air won the final in regulation. Thoughts on this one, Coach? I think, I think this came down to like what we discussed during the day. It came down to coaching and also preparation. Um, I, I think what Lone Star kind of realized watching maybe that game versus Sharing Line because remember Sharing Line was ahead of of, of Bel Air, but mm-hmm. Sharing Line roared and roared through with four straight goals. And I think that was in the back of the mind of Lone Star. Said, "Hey, you know, we need to figure out a game plan too, especially the players that are coming back that yeah. missed that game. We got to we got to prepare for this. You know, uh, if we can get a lead and hold and find a way to hold on to it, we could pull it off. Mm-hmm. And then and then it showed in the game because Lone Star's back four 
was very disciplined. I know they kind of they weathered the storm early on because there was an opportunity that Beller had a chance. Had they the ball, I think was just shot wide. Had that gone in, it might be a different result because you know playing from behind really it's it's it, it is a task, especially at this level of play. Mm-hmm. Um, so they dodged the bullet there. They were able to stay organized, and then from that moment on, they just kind of took over, kind of picked their spots. And that first goal was a beautiful setup, just yeah. a touch of the ball. And able to beat the keeper, and and they just and that and you can tell Belair was kind of like shell shocked on that, and they just never recovered from that. Um, you know, they just you know they tried, were frustrated. Then we're getting you know there were some of the players are getting cards. I mean, the coach kind of got a card too. Maybe he was maybe just that to try to motivate them. They just couldn't. And like you you mentioned about the midfield, they just couldn't get anything going mm-hmm. through there. And I think that's kind of the bread and butter as far as their offense. That got shut down, and yeah. like I said, kudos to to the coaching staff at Lone Star. You know, they had a great game Absolutely. plan. They executed it, and and they, and they got them the state title. You know, mm-hmm. they finally got that little monkey off their back of, of Wakeland winning every year. Uh, the, you know, the the trophy is going back to Frisco again, but now to now it's going a little little different northwest, school. Of, different yeah. school northwest of yeah. Wakeland. So, it's on so a tour congrats of that, to them. It's on a tour of that ISD, I guess. Right? They pass it on to the next one. So, Maybe Reedy gets it next year. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, you know, in that first half, Beller had four shots on goal. Beller had, yeah, they had four shots on goal. And I think, what was it? Great, or great blind, sorry. Uh, Lone Star had one. And all great, solid saves by the goalkeeper. That was the difference. They were all shots, direct shots on goal, saves by the goalkeeper. That was the difference at halftime. And, yeah, they just never quite got their groove. And I think, you know, the the back line for Lone Star played exceptionally well. But I think the unsung hero in this match was the the Lone Star midfield right there. And they're holding mids in front of that back line because they just they did not they would not let Bel Air in their typical fashion. They would not let them combine. We talked about this, right? <coughs> Excuse me. We talked about that. And they just and for whatever reason, in terms of. In terms of the tactics, Belair just routinely insisted on trying to go up the middle, up the middle, up the middle. But yet, late in that second half, they started to kind of piece things together. The most success they had was when they went to when they went wide, particularly that right flank. That's where they were able to finally build up. That's where they got their one goal before, of course, Lone Star gets that fourth penalty awarded and just puts the nail in the coffin. But uh, yeah, I agree. In terms of just... Lone Star just looked a little bit more, just, I don't know, for lack of better words, prepared, right? So uh, the MVP, Bartek Zabik, ends ends with uh, two goals, two of the four goals. And uh, Frisco Lone Star wins their first ever state title. So congratulations to the Rangers. All right. So great stuff. That does it for our 5A, 5A segment. That's brought to you by our good, good friends, our partners at Gipper. Gippers Away Schools, Athletic Department's ADs and coaches create world-class marketing content. Join over 2,500 coaches and ADs and use Gipper to create high-quality visual branded graphics for your program. The best part, anyone can do it in seconds on any device without needing any design experience whatsoever. Even if you're a power user, if you know what you're doing, you have more experience, even better. This opens up the platform that much more in which what in certain things that you can do with them. So and they're going to reward you, <coughs> excuse me, just for being a listener or supporter of the 5050 podcast. You can receive 10% off any first time Gipper purchase. Simply visit gipper.com slash partner slash 5050 to learn more. 
Again, that's skipper.com slash partner slash 50 50. All right. So we move on to 6A coach. All right. Game three on the day Flower Mound Marcus versus Fort Bend Ridge Point. And this one was this one was a little bit of, you know, Marcus had emerged as, you know, dominant running through the region. I mean, they beat a they beat a South Lake Curl that we all know wasn't at 100 percent. But they, you know, they, you know, South Lake Curl, you know, to their credit, offered no excuses. They just they played and Marcus was the better team on the day. So they were there. They take care of business in the semifinal. And then here they are. They find themselves at a Ridgepoint team that was overcoming just being upset two years ago and then upset in the uh, in the semifinal last year. And now here they are in the final. This one, final score, Flower Mound, Flower Mound Marcus 2, Ridgepoint 0. Thoughts on this one, Coach? Yeah, this game was going to be like a very tight – I think it was going to be a very tight game, possibly going to overtime. Um, what I was – one of the, the – I guess the key factors of this game was – how was uh, Marcus going to be able to handle Rich Point speed? Because the speed of, of, you know, pretty much overwhelmed Wiley East in that mm-hmm. semifinal game towards the end. Um, and Marcus did a great job, you know, neutralizing that. And, you know, they were able to, you know, kind of, you know, take kind of control, pretty much control of the of the possession, mm-hmm. you know, kind of limit Rich Points as far as their attack and, and if you you can see like well, you know like with well, this kind of the shots that go they had a little bit more than them and and just kudos to to the Marcus team you know they did a you know a great job even the midfield too kind of kept control and what can you say about the MVP for the you know Bella Campos you know she yeah right yeah. uh, that that goal she made from the wing taking a, uh, that one v one kind of Maradona style a little trying to get That's through fun. there and the run and yeah. it, it make great run from her and. Uh, she was able to bury that, and then she was able to bury that penalty kick, and 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 that was all she wrote. And Marcus, now you know they're the six eight girls state champions. You know, congratulate, congrats to them. Yeah, big shout out to the uh, Colorado School of Mines commit Bella Campos, also a big uh, big supporter of the fifty fifty podcast. So anytime we can give an endorsement of of a big supporter of the podcast, one of our athletes, absolutely. So congratulations to her. Congratulations to her teammates. She had two goals on the day, both goals. And the Marauders, they win their second state title in program history and their first ever at the 6A level. So congratulations to them. Uh, well done. And Ridgepoint, your 6A girls runner-up, congratulations to them as well. Have a feeling like Ridgepoint, you can kind of see that they're just gaining momentum step by step every year, every year. So, yes, I think we're going to be seeing them again next year. They're not going anywhere. They're not yeah, going yeah anywhere. they're building something good there in that area. and and. They're gonna be. Don't be surprised if they're they're kind of like the friends would. You know how friends would. You know would, they had those runs going to the five a four a five a finals. Uh, I think Rich Point is, is building a great program. You know, and I'm sure they're gonna yeah. be going toe to toe and maybe like maybe like a, a girl like the Seven Lakes there too, and some of the other teams in, in that in that region, that Houston area. Right. But just keep an eye on them. I think they're they have something good going on, and that, and don't be don't be surprised if they're back at it next year. Yeah, 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 no doubt. And then our final match, our nightcap, uh, which ended, uh, what was it? Maybe, maybe about an hour about ago. About an hour ago. Hour, a little over an hour ago. I went fifteen minutes ago. We had Katie Seven Lakes. All right, Katie Seven Lakes won the maybe dominant, most consistent six A team 
in the state over the course of the entire <coughs> excuse me uh in the over the course of the entire year on the boys side versus dripping springs the what had kind of become the the great story of the tournament right um just they were on the verge there of making all kinds of history i mean they still make history in the process just making it to the state tournament right after you know just in terms of how their season started um but yeah it, it turned out to be an interesting match in those last 20 minutes right <laughs> right those last 20 minutes but uh final score katie seven lakes two dripping springs tigers one uh thoughts on this one coach well, I guess I guess Houston finally finally gets on the map, wins the six eight title. It's been a while. Uh, like I said, Seven Lakes. If you can look at the last few years, Seven Lakes has kind of been knocking on on the door ever since. You know, the last few years, and you know, last year you know, they fell short against Plano, and I th I thought they were the better team than Plano. You know, I thought they could have gone in the final meet with Lake Travis. Um, in the in the years before that, you know, they've kind of fallen short, you know, in, in like the regional semifinals or a final final. But this was their breakthrough season. They I think all the pieces kind of fell together. And you know, for them, you know, because yeah, like Don says it's back in 2018. So yeah, that, that's a good five years <laughs> since the Houston teams won mm -hmm. a title. And so yeah, but the, for them the first first boy squad out of uh out of that KD ISD to win it though too. That's that's what was significant about this one. But yeah. Yeah, then so they finally kind of broke through and everybody pieced it together, but it was, it was they had to hold on for it because <laughs> you know, even though they took a two-nothing lead, uh they kind of figured out, you know, the defense of Dirty Springs. You know, it was you know, Dirty Springs' defense has been tough these last few games. But Samuel Lakes was able to figure them out and kind of get a couple key, you know, key goals. You know, even though there's one shot that kind of got deflected and able to tap it in, but still they were able to kind of figure out control. But they had to hold on because, like I said, Dripping Streams got a beautiful goal off of that set piece. Oh yeah, and and it looked and it looked like uh oh, really? It's it's it's, uh, it's not midnight yet. We may <laughs> this may go to overtime or <laughs> we may see another PK. Says, hey, we don't want the season to end just yet. So, right, right. but. But kudos to Seven Lakes. Like I said, they held on. They kept the composure. And even even towards the end, those last 10 minutes, they've really kind of dominated the ball. They were winning a lot of the 50-50 balls. And yeah. they were able to kind of run out the clock. And, and like I said, they, they end up winning the state championship. And, you know, congratulations to them. Um, and But also congratulations to, uh, to Dripping Springs, you know, for being the, you know, for their run. You know, they had to beat some quality teams. But, you know, to make two finals, that, that's the thing. That's that's a feat itself. Yeah. To make back-to-back back years to make two finals and also in the two different classifications. I think that might be, the, I think, the, the only team, I think, in the, in the history of the yeah. 40 years that, that they're the only ones that ever done that, you know, to make it to a final from one classification to another and back-to-back -back years. Mm -hmm. uh, but but what you can you say about, you know, I know a lot of the tension is, is, is the girls' team. If you remember, the girls' team had a lot of tension years ago. I know the boys had it last year, but like I said, that both programs, like I said, are they're they're cooking up something good there at Drupal Springs when it comes to soccer. So yeah, yeah. Uh, they're gonna they're they're gonna be in good hands again next year, and I, I think they'll they'll be back. And I, I think teams are not gonna take them lightly. And um, even as of whatever seed they are in their district, you know they have the capabilities to make another another deep run again in twenty twenty four. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And it was just such a phenomenal story too, right? How it played out and. In terms of just so many other schools being able to relate to them and just like oh there is there is hope there is a possibility right so 
yeah, they should be, you know, the Tigers, Dripping Spring Tigers should be absolutely proud of what they've accomplished this year, their first year in 6A. So, and kudos to the girls program too, who, you know, who won their district title as well, right, as we mentioned. So phenomenal community as well. So uh, great booster club. So we're, uh, we're big fans of theirs. So again, that <clears throat> congratulations, Dripping Springs, they are your 6A boys state runner-ups and the uh, Katie Seven Lake Spartans, they are your 6A boys 2023 state champions. Congratulations to uh, to my guy, Coach Jimmy Kruger, and his staff and his boys. They they've been putting a lot of work into this, and I I think they really laid the groundwork for this last year and last year's state tournament, right? And uh, yeah, and it just really what they learned, the run they went on to the state tournament last year, what they learned in the state tournament. You could just tell it just helped to develop that chip on their shoulder and it propelled them it springboarded them into this year so and this is a team that won what i think they lost their very first game lost because their very the first game year yeah and then and that was and that was a little shocker there too because yeah. they were favored in that game as well mm -hmm. yeah yeah they lost their very first game of the year and never lost again right so they had one other draw i can't remember who they drew but um uh katie just, jordan was it jordan was it yeah yeah phenomenal uh phenomenal run phenomenal run so for sure so uh yeah so congratulations katie seven lakes are the mvp hunter merit as well who had both goals rafa you were checking me on that yeah. did have both right and so, both goals yeah, yeah both goals yeah and the other piece too is they make make some history as they are they win i should say their first ever first ever state title and bring home the first boys state title to that katie isd as well that great isd uh brandon's in here as well yep talking about hunter Merritt, and he's saint uh saint edwards commit awesome so staying in that area <laughs> yeah yeah staying in that area yeah so austin austin area has been good to him already so great job so awesome so great stuff man great stuff we look back on that after the day that was and uh the day that was in these last four days um as it relates to specifically state maybe one big uh big takeaway what do you think you know we just expect the unexpected i, I think that's i think that's with, with every tournament state tournament you have you know you know you have that one team that it's favored heavily favored and yeah. they get it done and but then also you have some teams that are that you look at that you're like, what, what are they doing here? <laughs> like, how did they get here? Quote unquote, like, like Dripping Springs, you know, it's, it's the unpredictability because anybody can beat any at this level. If you get to this level, like I said, state tournament level, anybody can get beaten no matter what yeah. your record is. And we had a, quite mm -hmm. a few teams that were undefeated yeah. and, and yeah. falling and don't go to Berkelbach undefeated. Don't, <laughs> unless you're from Salina, unless you're from Salina. Yeah. Right? Man. Maybe go to Q Q two. Who who knows? <laughs> Maybe that'll yeah. be more luck there. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the like I said. And also, it takes you know. There's some luck to takes to it too. You know, you have that some luck. But also, who's you know who's passionate? You know, you you see the passion of the game with a lot of the players you see here. You know, whether the you know win or lose. You know, the the wins, the heartaches. It's it's what's what soccer is all about, and and that's what what you know. What I I take out of this is like I said, this was a really good tournament. Ever since, like I said, ever coming back coming back since the pandemic, yeah, it's it's just getting better and better. 
that are you know like I said there's there's storylines to a lot of you know to the at least in this, of these runs from a lot of these teams and but that's great it's, it's getting the attention that it deserves mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's still a long way to go right not where we ideally where we want it but we're headed on the right track and one of the things that I noticed about this year what was what was special what was awesome to see was that it was the first time since 2019 that we didn't really there was really no talk of the pandemic whatsoever right on any level like yes we know 2020 was canceled 2021 it was definitely all kinds of protocol and then 2022 there it was still lingering out there a little bit right it was still kind of there in the shadows some players missing across the state tournament, missing games, what have you, different issues, small, smaller issues, significantly smaller, but they were still there. And then this year, not, not a, not a discussion, right? Not an issue whatsoever. We didn't have to worry about it. We didn't have to worry about protocols and who's missing, who's out because of this. So it was great to be back to, to that, to whatever, whatever our new normal may be, but it was great to be, uh, to be there as well. So, um, Brandon Rich is in here. Thank you, Brandon. Great job, guys. Thank you. Uh, thanks for all you do for high school exposure. Brandon, right back at you. We appreciate everything. Thank you for being on here. We look forward to having you on here in the future as well. Thank you for what you're doing out in the uh, KDISD as well with that uh, I-10 shootout. It's a phenomenal tournament. Phenomenal tournament. So thank you for that, Brandon. Um, but yeah, yeah, great. My one big piece in terms of probably take away and looking at the uh, at the tournament as a whole i think it's time to yeah it's a whole other discussion in terms of where where else can we have it right uh, but i think the i think the one that's easily attainable that can be easily tweaked and it wouldn't change location whatsoever you're just literally shuffling shuffling a schedule is i think we need it it is way overdue we mentioned this uh yesterday i believe on a post it's way overdue that the uh, the ladies, uh, the women's side of the house, the girls' side of the house, we need to try to see about flipping it to where they are playing maybe in the late, the, those afternoon, evening games under the lights as well. I think that's I think that's way overdue. And I think for the 4A squads in particular, I know Coach Adams at Salina mentioned this, you know, to go from playing Wednesday, midday, and turn right back around and play Thursday, the very next day in the heat of the day. Um, yeah, I think that's that's something that can easily be tweaked, right? Yes, there's always logistics involved. <clears throat> Excuse me. We get that. We understand that. But I think that's a small one. I think that's something that can easily be attained. But coaches, go to your athletic. Again, just like we were talking about with Coach Upton a few minutes ago, right? Go to your athletic directors. Pro- make proposals to your administration, to the district executive committees, up-channel this. because. But it's going to take coaches across their districts, all across their districts, of channeling this for any kind of action to first for any kind of discussion to first take place that will maybe inevitably or eventually lead to action. So thoughts on that coach? Yeah, that's, that's the only way if things are going to get better changes is, you know, like I said, a tweet or post or that's not, it's not going to work or, or whining about it or putting a poll is going directly straight to your ADs, goes directly straight to the to the UIL. That's the only way. If they hear you, they're going to take it into consideration, and they say, "Hey, you know what? This does make sense. We do to make a change. They'll do it." You know, if they, they mm-hmm. do it with the other, they do it with the other sports. You know, they do it with football, the basketball, whatever sports involved here in our state of Texas. You know, if, if that's you know what we you know 
as a whole, we need to, you know, do that. And it's going to make things, like I said, if you wanted to make it better, that's what you, you know, you're going to have to do that, you know, and just not just kind of stay in the backgrounds and so forth. So that's, that's something hopefully, you know, the coaches take that to heart and, and, and do it because, like I said, a lot of them are, you know, I think this, it's just a bit, it's it make oh, make things a lot better for the kids. That's And that's what this is about. It's about the kids. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every man Dan's in here as well. Indeed. Thanks for the coverage. Uh, Every man Dan, thank you. Appreciate you. I know during our bracketology show, I think I promoted you to, to fireman Dan by accident. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. But uh, now we appreciate you. You've um, been one of our. Uh, one of our great supporters and listeners, and uh, you've given us some great info in here too. So appreciate you as well, every man, Dan. Thank you. Um, all right. That is, uh, that's going to do it for a look at today. Um, so we're going to co- don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We're going to look at a regional breakdown, look at how the regions kind of played out final. We'll look at uh, just overall really final records, who took home titles, all of that stuff, really quick little glimpse. And then we'll wrap up with our, or look back at just maybe some key things from uh, 2023. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after a quick word from our friends at College Promoters USA. College Promoters USA, founded and located in San Antonio, operates as the only family-owned college recruiting company in Texas that brings a truly professional, local, and face-to-face approach to area high school student-athletes and their families. As the lead sponsor and proud supporter of the 5050 podcast, alongside Coach Hector Cano, College Promoters is proud to be elevating its support for the college soccer recruiting process more than any other service in the country. If your son or daughter is serious about competing in college soccer, call College Promoters USA directly at 210-494-6363 or visit collegepromotersusa.com anytime. College Promoters USA, the best investment a parent can make in their high school student-athlete. And we're back, episode 13 of Inside Texas High School Soccer. I am Hector Cano, along with my lovely co-host in the Obi-Wan Kenobi of Texas High School Soccer, Rafa. All right, man, you ready to look at it? The moment of truth. We're going to look back at uh, look back at regions here, our kind of our regional breakdown, and uh, see, see how things played out here. So let me go ahead and share this real quick. And obviously, this uh, this makes for a little bit tougher. Uh, tougher. Uh, you obviously you can't see this if you're listening to this later on the audio podcast. But essentially, what we're looking at here is a regional breakdown of championship week by region in terms of what overall records were, and as well as number of titles that each respective region won over the course of four days in uh, in Brucklebox. So, all right, so. Uh, we're gonna go region by region. Uh, any initial thoughts? When what immediately grabs you, if anything, coach? When you just look at these on the surface. Well, you can see what 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 area of Texas is is are sticking up all the titles. <laughs> um, that that well, coach. Um, you know, uh, Upton mentioned about you know is is the Dallas area. If you look and see, they got. You know, for those you know playing in you know region one, region two covers most of the Dallas Fort Worth area. You know, so those teams are are, 
pretty much snatching up a lot of the these state titles. And if you look at Region Three, which is most predominantly the East Texas or Houston area, uh, they're able to snatch one. And but they got the biggest one. They got the six A one. Like I said, Dallas hasn't been able to win a six A one since Flower Mound, which was I think was twenty nineteen. Um, Region Four, um, like I said, we had a couple titles last year. Um, only had one with Hidalgo, and but they like I said we still had a great showing this year. But there, you can see the kind of not so saying as far as a gap, but you can see the mm-hmm. little where where a lot of the t- the championships are going, you know, yeah. and what part of the region Texas are the these titles are going to. Right. So we an in depth look here. So obviously, for again, for those who are listening later on the audio podcast, we'll go through this. Uh, just so you can see what we're looking at here, but essentially region one overall record six and four. And this is obviously combined both on the boys and girls side, not no individual breakdown here, but region one overall record six and four and two, uh, two titles region two overall six and four, two titles region three overall record three and five, one title. And then region four overall record three and five and one title. So, Regions one and two, they basically combine for the same, same records and take home same amount of titles. And then so you saw that mirror image, right? And then, and then region three and four, the exact same thing, mirror image in terms of uh, reflection there of overall records as well as one title apiece. So, anything on here, coach that maybe surprises you? I because I think region one and region two, that piece doesn't it's. One for I guess for lack of better words, it's the obvious. But what surprises you maybe in here? I, I think the surprise me maybe I would think maybe Region One would probably have a couple. They, they could have had a couple more. Maybe like I said, Beller Beller was one. You know they could have won one. They could have been three. Um, yeah. Even um, I'm trying to think. Trying to think. Uh, even in the uh, you know you're missing. Um, Look at the Forey Parser Region One. You know, like San Eli had a good chance too. You yeah. know, they, they they could have been four championships for Region One. I think that I like. You know, I, I kind of see that. But same thing going to be for Region Two because there were some good teams in Region Two, like like Wiley East. You know, Wiley East could have won. Mm-hmm. You know, they were undefeated going in undefeated. Right. Uh, Palestine, Palestine. You know, there was another one. So that that scale could have tipped a little bit. One could have had four. The other could have been shut out, or, or vice or vice versa. Yeah. Um, you know, and and like I said, I think the other two regions do need to, you know, it, find a way to how to to kind of overcome that. Maybe to pal- kind of balance things out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you know, like I said, I think with Seven Lakes winning, you know, that's that's a good thing for the Houston area because it proves that hey, we can. We can we can win win the big one at the biggest classification. Um, like I said, Region Four has been, especially in the four A boys. You know they've won the last the last three. You know so they've been the dominant one for the you know for that for that. So you know how do you build upon that and you know kind of you know and like I said, end up balancing things out and or, or overtaking in the other two regions. You know so that's that's something that the coach is going to have to really look into see where they can kind of how to change those things to make it more i say more competitive but to get to that you know to get up there yeah yeah 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's going to do it in terms of our regional breakdown. Always pretty good to, uh, we'll post later. We'll share that. And then we'll also share our individual breakdowns on the boys and girls side as well. So, and we'll do a kind of comparing analysis to last year so we can see where that, where that breaks down between this year and last year. So quick question in here from our guy, our teammate here from uh, Steve Sanchez match of the weekend for boys and girls thoughts on this one. I guess last night the Allen and Drippy Springs yeah. game going to the PKs. I agree. I agree. I agree. That was probably that's, the match of the weekend for the boys. I think that's an easy and, one on the boys side. <laughs> and then the and then the girls side, I think. Well, that's, Salinas eight to one win. Oof, that gosh. that was a that was a they made a statement to the to the state of Texas that we are mm -hmm. here. We're not just a four. Like I said, and, what, and like I said, they, they they made a statement with that game. And I know, yeah. and like I said, we'll discuss with some points about that with yeah. regards to that. Yeah, it was historic, that's for sure. But now I would say on the girls' side, for me, I think the one I really – there was a couple. I think honorable mention on the boys' side, I would probably say the um, – was it Katie Seven Lakes and Saxy uh, match from yesterday? That was very that was very fun to watch. But, um, but on the girls' side – the one I think that I found to be the most entertaining, and it was a great way to kick off 6A yesterday, was um, Wiley East and uh, – what am I drawing a blank? At Ridgepoint, sorry. Wiley Ridge East Point. and Ridgepoint. And, uh, yeah, I mean, double overtime ends uh, – what was that? Four to three, I think it was? Four to three. Four to three, right? Yeah, seven goals in that match. And it was just back and forth. Three different lead changes. Um so yeah, I think very. There's not a whole lot more that you can ask in a uh, from two teams in a match like that. And it was just a great way for you know six A has to kind of sit idly for a couple of days. They finally joined the party yesterday, and then boom, that was our first six A match of the tournament. So that was a great way to kick off six A. So yeah, I think that would answer that one for me. But yeah, I think as we start winding down here, coach. Um, you know that's 2023 is in the books. Uh, it's been a it's been a great season, and uh, have loved doing these with you. And uh, you know I can't believe we're through our third season of in, of what's now become Inside Texas High School Soccer. Again, if you don't know why we <clears throat> why we re reference that specifically is because this is a kind of spinoff show of the 5050 podcast, part of our what's becoming our network eventually. And uh, yeah, I think. Uh, it's been great. You know, we're what, two, two and a half years old, right? we launched in December, mm -hmm. December of 2020 and uh, what we've become, what we've been able to become because of you all, because of our listeners, our supporters and why we do it in an effort to show commitment to growth uh, and support of Texas high school soccer and give it the coverage that, that we feel it deserves. Um, we, we still don't feel like we've met that goal, but we're on the right track. But uh, yeah, it's been fun. You look back on the season for us, coach, of just the show um, before we start looking at Texas high school soccer as a whole for 2023. What's maybe your big takeaways, your big moments of the show? You know, we're 13. Here we are 13 episodes later, right? Um, any big takeaways, thoughts, memories, anything you want to laugh at, make fun of uh, from looking back at some of the shows? Um, just, you know, you know, the interviews with the coaches with some, I get there are some great stories for some great programs that uh, I, I like, like we mentioned, like the Abilene girls, you know, what a story about them, you know, haven't yeah. won any, anything in like over maybe 30, I think with 30 years and, yeah. and they had a, deep, a good deep run in the first playoffs. District, first district title in 31 years. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, stories like that that you hear, and then also some first year, you know, look at that uh, first year program, the West Plain Wolves, the girls. Yeah. 4A. And they're for real. They're for real. They're for, they they were they had just opened up and yeah. they had a you know they just lost to a team that had a little more experience and but you know, is that the could that be the team that maybe challenges Salano next year you know because they are returning a lot of those girls back so you know or or even Stephenville and within Region One or Salado so mm-hmm. so it's it, it, you know so you know you're you like hearing stories about that and also even players too like our um mm-hmm. you know also some song you know some you know. Hopefully, like uh, the player from Cattle Mills that get the reason they got injured, um, you know, you know the, the support that they, you know, that she's received, you know, the, to, you know, to recover from that injury. Oh, and, yeah. Victoria you know, Mendes, Victoria Mendes, yeah. yeah, you know, you know, it just brought the high school community, the soccer community from the state together to, you know, for her support. And, and like I said, hopefully she'll be back on the field again next year. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, prayers to her and. Can't and just like or can't forget about one of our coaching colleagues, right? And who yeah. I never personally met, but Coach Miller out of uh, Denton Breswell as well, are definitely thinking thinking about them and their family and their community as well. Who suddenly passed a few uh, few weeks ago. So yeah, so can't can't go without mentioning that as well. Yeah. yeah. So like I said, you know, you have you know you have your your cheerful moments, and you also you have your sad moments. But that's just like I said. Soccer, soccer is life. He's <laughs> a little stealing from little Ted Lasso there. Well, you know, soccer is yeah. <laughs> soccer is life for that, you know. But the thing is, we it's it's just yeah, you know, not you know, we don't if we don't talk about it, you know, this and that, you know, you know people won't get to hear it. And they, like I said, we've given a lot of great exposure to Texas high school soccer that that deserves, you know, you know, doing all the stuff. So even like our bracketology, you know, we do the research. You know, we're just not picking teams because of their football programs or just mascots or whatever. You know, we dig deep. You know, yourself, me, Harry, and and Steve. You know, we I go really... off of mascot. I go off of mascot and school colors. I don't know about <laughs> you. You know, so you know, we put a lot of effort into that. You know, and you know, we, you know, it's it's the it's the coverage. You know, and and it's like I said, it's also fun too to have. You know, you know, you know, and I think also you know getting, you know. When we go out, got, go out to games and so forth, like I went to one game that was the O'Connor, I think Loretta United game. It was a bi-district game. The parents, a lot of the positive feedback from them, thanking us, you know, for showcasing, you know, the, the sport and so forth. And that's, you know, I like hearing those things, you know, at least it tells us, hey, we're doing something good, something positive. And, 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 and like I said, we're, I'm not, we're not, like I said, we're not here for the clicks and this and that. Or whatever we just want to make sure everything's giving the proper proper coverage and you know it's a good to you know to hear that it's good hey it's a, at least you know someone admires that and but we, we're just you know we just work hard to what we need what what for the respect of the sport yeah yeah and i think i got to mention it too and we'll get to it more later with our final shout outs and thank yous but mm-hmm. i do have to mention before i forget you talked about those uh <clears throat> the broadcasts something i want everybody to know is when they see this with the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable and Rafa's out there, he obviously he does this regionally in the greater San Antonio area, of course, because, um, you know, he's based out of here. But one of the things he's out there, he's on his own dime. He's not, you know, he's not getting he's not getting paid for it. And, you know, he just he's doing these phenomenal broadcasts. Obviously, I try to I try to help whenever we can link up. But part of the reason we don't link up is so we can cover more games. Right. Um, so. Very important to know. I just want to point that out as well. So you've you've done a phenomenal job, and you really do spread the wealth in terms of coverage of 
doesn't matter if you're a 4A on the south side, if you're, you know, maybe a rural 5A or one of the big 6As here in the greater San Antonio area, you're all over the place. And uh, for that, we thank you and just your commitment and dedication. I think you you need to be recognized for that. So thank you for that. Thank you. And like I said, it was fun doing, you know, some games with you and also with Steve, like Steve coming aboard. Yeah. We're able to do some great games with him and his getting his insight. I would have loved to have seen the look on his face the first time you asked him to uh, go live on the air with you. That must have been. <laughs> yeah, he was, like, huh? <laughs> he was like, huh? He was like, oh. I think it was one of the, I think it was, uh, I think one of the league games, I think he was just like, oh, we're going to do this. <laughs> so I think we had a little technical difficulty in the first game, but by the time we got to the second game, it, it, everything yeah. flowed and so forth. But like, yeah, shout out to Steve. Like, like I said, I, having, having him on board, you know, to do the live streams and also thank you to Harry too. Cause like, is it uh, Harry and also no, not, that guy, not, not that guy. He, he clowns on real Madrid too much. Not that guy. Not that guy. So. <laughs> well, he'll be, doing, he'll, he might be doing some crying on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, but, all yeah. right. So we'll get to we'll get to some of that with our final our final thoughts, thank yous, and everything uh, a little bit later in the show. But next thing, last thing, want to make sure we get this in, Coach, is we're gonna look back the season that was right the 2023 Texas high school soccer season, and you know, Coach Upton, right? He kind of kind of upstaged us a little bit, almost. He dropped a lot of good stuff, right? I was just like, mm -hmm. yes. like I didn't even think about that, so. Um, so yeah, no, he brought some, some great points as, and this is why we ask these questions rather than, Hey, I have it all figured out. I know everything, right? Because we don't No one person does that covers this. Um, but when you look back on the season, that was maybe some key points, right? Some key takeaways, things that, uh, things that you liked, things that we need to work on collectively as a community and going forward into 2024. I think some points, like I said, looking back at this year, we had too many great players miss playoff games. One for due to injuries and one due to, you know, you know, club club commitments. And, and, and that affected a lot of, a lot of, of some of these key games, you know, right before, you know, the state tournament. Um, I'm not going to go too into, into that for specifics as for certain games, but um I, th I think that's something that maybe, you know, coaches, not only the high school coaches, but also the club coaches kind of hope maybe sit one down one day and, and kind of fix things. So how, you know, how can we, you know, share the athletes, but also keep them from getting hurt or missing key, you know, key games. Cause like I said, we had a lot, you know, players were playing up to maybe six games in like two, two, three days, which is insane. You know, and that takes a toll on, you know, the body of, of a lot of the players and so forth. Or if someone has a nagging injury and doesn't get healthy as much, and you know, it's 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 something that it definitely needs to be fixed. And you know, hopefully for next year, you know, we can, you know, take take care of all that. I think another point um, that you can look back at is as far as this season and, and shout out to them is the Salina lady Bobcats. I think what they did this year, they, they put their, I guess they're, they're in the, I guess that stamp on Texas that we're, we're a soccer power now, you know, we're pound for pound, one of the best programs here in the, in the state of Texas. And, you know, look at the run of, I think they only lost maybe one game the last two years and, 
So they've they're one of the elite teams now. Like I said, they're up there. Like I said, with the Marcuses, the uh, Solly Carrolls, uh, you know the the Seven Lakes and so forth. As far as like with the girls' side, the Grapevines. Like I said, uh, this program right. just just started not too long ago. They're like I said, they're already uh, one of the dom- like I said, not hey, well you can say one of the dominant programs that they that we've seen the last few years. And then the last point, um. Like, you know, just better scheduling as far as the playoffs. I like I like to see them do yeah. the same format like they do for the for basketball or for or for even baseball. You know, have a playoff every 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 week, like every weekend. Um, you know, some of these players, you know, they need some time to heal. You know, as far as some of the and also not missing class time, especially when you have a trip, <laughs> you have to go play at two o'clock in the afternoon because you're at this one time zone or the other. Uh, I, I like to see that done, you know, you know, one by district week, one weekend, then area regional. And if we do have a regional tournament, uh, play Thursday, uh, Friday, a day off and then play Saturday. And then that way it gives time, you know, we get better quality soccer. And, and then same thing maybe with, uh, with the, with the state tournament, you know, I'm still ambitious about it. I know some other people are ambitious about it. You know, having it at Q2, maybe have the semifinals, play it at Reeves and and Georgetown, and then the and then have the finals. All you know, all six finals. You know, at at Q2. You know, I, I, I mean, if you can play at Jerry's World or the basketball can play at the Alamo Dome, I don't see why not we can't play at a soccer specific stadium. You know. In, in, in that area, but still, you can still play those, you know, your semifinals at the, at those high school f- fields and then give a, give this player, give the athletes a treat there for the final at a, playing at a soccer specific stadium. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I look at it from the logistics perspective. I think I know mm-hmm. the way UIL tends to operate. I know it's, it's going to be, it's going to be an uphill. But yeah. I get absolutely get where you're coming from in terms of the <clears throat> football, the AT&T stadium, the Alamo Dome as well, right, for basketball. But I think one of the big things – so I think where this starts, the big push, and we talked about it a couple episodes back, is if you are – whether you are – whether your school that you root for, your child, whatever, your friend, it's a school that you go to or not, but you're a big fan of Texas high school soccer, show up, you know, the the re, the, the tournament, right, the state playoffs itself, right, the home games as it as it progresses, um, the regional quarterfinal, the regional tournament, and then of course when you know when you can make it out to Georgetown, show up in numbers because the first th- the first thing that's going to get the needle moving on that from UIL's perspective is if they have more people coming where seating capacity starts to become an issue, right? Or just capacity in general, right? If more people are coming, parking's becoming a premium. Um, that's kind of one of those things. That's the first thing that's going to move the needle. The attendance has to be there, right? It has to be there. So from the state level, it has, it has to be there. So, um, so that's one. And then, but also from the Q2 perspective, the biggest thing beyond UIL's perspective is they may not really have a say in terms, because I can tell you right now, we had this conversation right earlier today. There's no way there's an MLS squad telling you, hey, let us let us play 18 games in four days on your surface. You know, that's that's not going to happen. They're not. And oh, and by the way, while you are in season, we <coughs> excuse me, we all know how the uh, 
the grounds, you know, the grounds crew are for professional, <laughs> for pro professional soccer fields are right. That's, that's not going to happen. So, so we do, that doesn't mean we don't have the conversation. That doesn't mean there are other places where we could possibly play it. Um, but, uh, but all that said as well, I think the actual crew and the people in the city of Georgetown, I think they do a phenomenal job. I think that's important to point out as well. So, um, but yeah, I think that's, that's a big piece. And, uh, so many, so many components, I think that we, we need to look at from, I think the mercy rule continues to be one or, you know, coaching education, uh, just all kinds of district rules. The, the, who, the, should you get a home, an automatic home game? If you are a one seed, uh, for the first two rounds, uh, give get, dependent upon your district as well. There's all kinds of factors. There's all kinds of important topics out there. But the big thing, excuse me, the big thing that I want to press is there's all kinds of things that we can highlight, right? But I think the biggest one to highlight for whatever key issues is you need to be having these conversations at your school level with your administration, with your athletic director. From there, you need to be having these conversations on these bigger topics, these bigger issues at hand within your district, right? And then up channel from there. And if you know anything about, <clears throat> excuse me, if you know anything about the way the UIL works, usually these meetings for it, for it to hit their desk, for it to become a, a topic at hand, particularly, particularly in those summer meetings that they have in Austin is it may take a year or two of a lot of key for lack of better words, not complaining, but pushing, right, pushing the initiative, pushing, making the argument uh, before it finally shows up in one of these meetings or maybe one of these meetings throughout the year. And then from there, then it's going to, hey, it might be, hey, we, we need to do, we're going to do a study on it for a year or two. And then after that, maybe it's like, here are our findings. Yes, we will proceed with this or no, we will not. That's kind of, I mean, case in point, that's how water polo became a sport, right? Perfect example. But that was about a four, five, six year initiative, four, five, six year plan. So these are the way, this is the way the the system, the pro, the, you know, University Interscholastic League works. And the sooner I think we can collectively have that understanding. And if we're passionate enough about some of these key points to our game, you know, these key initiatives, then we need to continue with it and bang the drum and know that, you know, mentioning it one time is not enough. Mentioning it 10 times or 20 times is probably not going to be enough. So, but as coaches, as administrators, that's our responsibility. That's what we're charged with. And I think in terms of also not only obviously taking care of our student athletes, but also taking care of the game, right. And growing the game. Right. So very important component thoughts on that coach. Yeah. I think that's, that needs to, like I said, that's the way to do things. That's also, like I mentioned earlier, I think also, you know, player, player missing games because of injuries and, playing too many games, you know, especially between their clubs and the high schools. Like we saw scenarios with kids playing, like I mentioned earlier on, it's like playing kids playing six games in like in, in a two, three day span. And they play their high school game and then they play their club game until Monday and they're back at it again on, on Tuesday with a high school team. I think that needs to, you know, be talked about between we both to kind of, hey, you know, we don't want to over kill our, our, our athletes, you know, you know, and that we're about, you know, it's okay to share athletes and so forth, you know, but we want to make the you know the players, you know, you know, be there at the enjoy the enjoy playing, you know, not don't make it seem like it's just all work or so forth. And um, 
but that if you know if you want change you have to be that voice that goes on there talk to you like we mentioned to the mm-hmm. 80s and so forth and I, and i think we're on the right track you know we're not and like i said the high school's you know it's not perfect but what is what is perfect right now you know but things are getting like i said better and better and it's just like i said just getting the right people you know to go to austin talk to oil and 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 make and make, and and have them hear you out and see you know for these changes you know because i hey you know we want to just want to make things better for for the players and and eventually i think that's it's we can accomplish that yeah <clears throat> yeah 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 i think that's going to be an ongoing thing ongoing effort and i think you know, if you're a coach out there that's listening to and some of these conversations that are taking place on this particular podcast as well, you know, book bookmark that in maybe your audio podcast on YouTube, what have you on Twitter, put it up there for your athletic director to listen to as we're having this conversation. Use us as, you know, as just a further argument to kind of to kind of back back you up that there are people talking about this. There are more people that need to be talking about this in order to be able to enact some sort of action. It's not going to happen overnight, but, uh, but yeah, we have to just keep, keep banging the drum, I think, and be kind of play the, be in it for the long, for the long haul, right? Play the long game. Right. So, yeah. All right, coach, that's, uh, that's going to do it. Um, We're going to wrap up now. Stoppage time. Um, Final thoughts, messages, thank yous on the 2023 season, the show, anyone, you, anything, what's on your mind. What do you got? No, I just want to like thank you and Steve and like I said, also Harry, like I said, for being part of being part of this. You know, giving the coverage and not except like without you guys, like I said, I don't think you know we can. I can get my point across with a lot of things, and this is a great format to you know platform for to to del- give so- high school soccer its proper uh, you know. R- r- coverage, you know, not like I said, I don't know we here the show is focused statewide. Uh, our show at the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable, we focus on the San Antonio area teams and so forth. So, you know, thank you to all the the listeners. You know, you know, without you guys, you know, we wouldn't be here. And and also congratulations to all the teams that won the state titles. You know, well, yeah. job well done, working hard. But also to all the teams that that didn't win. You know, use that as motivation for next year. And some Absolutely. teams, like I said, they were able to motiv- get motivated to get to you know, to get to another title game and so forth. And hopefully, maybe next year it will be the, the your year. So, and then also the other teams too that that fell short or didn't make the playoffs or did make playoffs but fell short. There, hey, use that as an inspiration. Work harder in the off season, and we just we're looking forward for the 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 week the the few the days after Thanksgiving to start it all over again, and we'll see what what happens in twenty twenty four. And who knows, maybe, maybe I come out of retirement. Oh, oh, interesting, interesting. There we go. Had to get the air horn in one more time. So nice, nice little teaser there. I like that. I like that. Oh, wow. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I think, uh, yeah, I think you, you hit on a lot of great stuff. First and foremost, congratulations to our champions today, our runner-ups as well, and all of our state participants. So thank you for giving us another great uh, another great tournament, another, and as we talked about earlier, maybe our first tournament back to quote unquote, air quotes, normal, right? After first one, since what really felt truly back to fully normal since 2019. So thank you to all. And thank you, you know, to the parents, to the administrators, to the athletic trainers, all of you that supported these teams to make it happen. 
uh, obviously the Tasco Tasco representatives that were that were there, uh, UAL representatives that, that were there as well, because those make for long days as well. So, and I get it; it's a lot of planning, workers, everything that are there in support to pull off this event as well. It's like the it's the festival of football, right, where we get to put our our sport on display. And uh, so, yeah, it was a great one. Thank you to all of those people. And uh, <clears throat> interesting thing is we had the trend today was three of our four champions, first first time state champions. How about that, right? And and then Marcus, kind of a technicality, but their first ever state title at the 6A level. So kind of, kind of interesting. Interesting that... Uh, that was kind of one of the underlying trends when you look back at uh, the uh, championship Saturday today. So um, for me, oof, lots of thank yous and appreciations, but I'll, I'll just, I'll try to make this quick, bear with me, but you know, obviously to Rafa, thank you. Uh, thank you for being on this with me, buddy. We put a lot of work in behind, behind the scenes. Oftentimes as we talk about the show, <laughs> the show tends to end up being the easiest part uh, because the prep, the meetings, the, conversations with coaches the conversations with players the behind the scenes stuff that we're doing and uh, and we love it we love it so thank you thank you to you thank you to all the programs all the coaches uh that allow us to make that happen um and that and that you know that and that are really accessible to us too that's a big one you know that's a big one so athletic directors as well you know you know athletic coordinators administrators thank you as well <clears throat> really appreciate you um you know so you know to beyond rafa as well we talk about harry you know harry austin does a lot of great stuff behind the scenes especially in the lead up to to bracketology puts in a ton of work on that so thank you buddy as well and and of course he does that in addition to hosting the santoy soccer roundtable the safc Fancast. Fancast, and he's also part of i think what one or two other podcasts as well so, yeah, the man's pretty amazing with what he does in, in the podcast world. Then uh, it's it's led to a, a network. You guys have a network now, so that's, mm. that's awesome. That's awesome with the uh, the SA Soccer Roundtable. Make sure you check them out. Okay, the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. Um, my podcast team as well. Having having a new team member, you know, in Steve, uh, Steve as well. Steve in particular, Steve Sanchez, uh, who's just such a valuable member in terms of just stats and data and being able to, as I affectionately tell him being, he he can just nerd out on that stuff all day because it's like, it's data, it's data numbers in soccer, which tend to be two of his biggest loves. And then if we can add barbecue in the mix, I think we hit just about everything. Right. So, so thank you to him. And then the rest of our podcast team behind the scenes as well. And then including our staff, our, our team out at college promoters, USA, um, excuse me, everything you do in support of us and the podcast, we are eternally grateful for starting with our president, Greg Smith, the rest of the staff as well in support. Uh, the Tasco staff this year for inviting us, inviting, inviting the podcast to the Texas high school soccer convention. Very, you know, big shout out there to the entire Tasco staff, the community and, and the COO chief, uh, chief operating officer and Jimmy Kruger who want to stay title tonight as well. So thank you to all of them uh my family as well my you know my daughters and uh, who we're, we're a soccer family as well and as well as my wife who just she puts in a ton of work behind the scenes in support of the podcast kind of as part of the podcast team but also just allowing me to cover games allowing me to do this allowing me to 
work with our podcast team to put on a lot of great stuff. And <clears throat> excuse me. And one thing I will say is um, be on the lookout because we do have some major developments that are coming in terms of the podcast and also just uh, format and different things that we're looking at. So some big uh, some big changes coming very soon. So be on the lookout for that. We'll be we're uh, almost excited to share or excited to share it with you when it when it gets there but it's almost there but it's not ready yet so we can't reveal stuff so um and then again across the across texas high school soccer all of you from coaches to athletic trainers assistant coaches administrators everybody um especially our athletic trainers of course um but the spouses the spouses of the coaches who are just as much you know part of that texas high school soccer community thank you Thank you so much. The families, you know, the sons, the daughters, and most of all, why we are all here is the student athletes, right? The student athletes. So thank you to all of you. You're, you are what you all are doing for your respective communities, your teams, wearing your crest, wearing your school colors. It's making a difference and it's growing or respect is growing for our sport in this state and beyond this state across the country. So thank you. Thank you for what you do each and every day. And college coaches, college coaches that have been on this podcast, on the 5050 podcast, thank you. And what we are slowly on revealing is that more college coaches, more division one, more power five college coaches than you think, than you're, than you've been told attend high school soccer games. And then from there, of course, just a lot of the great high school, the college coaches that we've had on that have given us just their time of day and uh, answer our phone calls and emails. So thank you. Thank you so much to that. And then last piece as well. Thank you to uh, people, friends, colleagues, uh, you know, former coworkers that have reached out asking me about, Hey, where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? Um, still working on that. Uh, more, <laughs> more to come on that uh, soon. Uh, still working on that. Uh, but thank you for reaching out and asking asking about and not just asking about where am I going, but if they can do anything to help. So that means the world to me. And to again, in case you didn't know, hadn't heard, I am leaving my current position as the director of soccer and head women's soccer coach at St. Mary's Hall private school on the tap side. And uh, I will be returning to the to the public sector to the UIL side that uh, that I've put out there. But to my team that I am program that I'm uh, that I am departing from there at St. Mary's Hall, my girls there. Thank you so much. I love you guys. It's been such an honor and a privilege to be your coach. So thank you. All right, coach. I think uh, let's go. Uh, I can hear the Academy Award music to wrap it up playing <laughs> in the background here. So uh, any last thoughts, anything else you got so we can get out of here? No, just like I said, just looking forward for 2024. And I said, working with you from here on out. And, Absolutely. and it's, it's, it's going to be, I think it'll be, it's going to be an interesting year. Cause like I said, we're already seeing new teams and especially like in 4A, new, new programs are popping up. I think the popularity is, it's, it's spreading. So we're seeing a lot of new programs. I know some teams played some kind of independent schedules and we'll see, maybe see some in certain district play and, we're all be ready for the, the 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 days after Thanksgiving to get it going again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. One thing I did leave out the independent media. So the writers, the the general media, right? The big media, whatever you want to call it. The writers, uh, as well, a few Felix Chavez out of the El Paso Times, David Hinojosa, San Antonio Express News, just to name a few. But beyond that, even the independent media and what's helping grow the coverage 
of our sport, especially at the state level, right? In terms of our, you know, our, our buddy Lethal Lethal Enforcer. Thank you for what you guys are doing. We appreciate it. And uh, part to proud to be part of at least a small part and help contribute at least a small piece of this uh, this growing trend of the independent media. Well, I shouldn't call it a trend. It's here to stay and it's where kind of the future is headed. So we're just glad and proud and honored to be a part of it. So, all right, that is going to do it. That closes the book on the 2023 season. Thank you to all. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you to our supporters, everybody. You know where you can find us. You can find the audio podcast as well on all major podcast platforms. And that's going to do it for 2023. Thank you. And until the next time, you know what to do. Keep downloading and keep listening. You've been listening to the 5050 podcast powered by College Promoters USA. Help us continue to grow by liking, rating, and subscribing on all major podcast platforms. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 50 underscore 50 pod, on Instagram at 50 underscore 50 podcast, as well as on YouTube at the 50 underscore 50 podcast. Until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening.